Welcome to Physician Founded, a How It's Med mini-series sponsored by Macadamia, where we get to know the stories behind the leading physician innovators of today. On this episode of Physician Founded, we welcome Dr. Alice Tweet-Kent. Dr. Tweet-Kent is a physician who serves at an urgent care center at one of Boston's busiest hospitals. But she's also the founder and CEO of Cocoon Biotech and has been recognized by the Boston Business Journal as one of the women to watch in technology and science. Dr. Tweetkent didn't follow the traditional path to medicine, however. She first became a biochemical engineer, then went into med school, graduating into a residency in internal medicine before choosing to work in an urgent care setting. Since getting her footing into the world of business, she has sought to and succeeded in leveraging her diverse background to develop silk protein-based products for the healthcare system. She's also passionate about reducing the healthcare system's environmental footprint. Geez, what a life. I can't wait to get started so we can hear more. And I guess in wearing so many hats, I wonder whether or not there have been any circumstances where you've been so, you've been so entrenched in thinking in uh, under one hat that you've forgotten about the others at one time and then suddenly had to remember that, oh, wait, I have that other hat on that I could use. Is there a story that you think illustrates that well that you could tell us? Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess what I would say is, um, you know, as we've built out our ocular programs, for example, um, there, I, I am a clinician, right? And I see in clinic, um, I work in urgent care. So I see in clinic a whole host of diseases. And I actually do see quite a number of front of the eye issues from uh, corneal uh, abrasions um, to conjunctivitis. And, you know, as we're building our products um, on the company side for front of the eye applications, um, sometimes I forget I have all this like knowledge and experience firsthand in sort of treating these conditions that I can bring to the table, even though I'm not an ophthalmologist by training. And so I think, yes, sometimes you, you have to take a step back and, and remind yourself like, oh, I, I can provide a voice to this conversation in addition to the ophthalmologists that we have on our team. Um, as an urgent care provider or seeing ocular indications from a certain angle. So, um, yeah, there are certainly times, and that would be an example where, you know, I'm seeing a host of patients and I can really provide a, an interesting perspective on what would be useful. See, what, what you said there was very interesting because you're, you're talking about how as uh, an emergent care provider, to some extent, you, you see like corneal issues, but like you would, as you said, you're not an ophthalmologist. So you don't necessarily know all in depth about that. But do you think that there is that there is space for, I guess, practitioners of different fields to cross over into other fields and succeed in, for example, in a in a medical field that they're not necessarily experts in when it comes to entrepreneurship? Because that's something that's becoming less and less prevalent in the medical field itself because we're so subspecialized. Yeah, it's it's a really really excellent point. Um, and I, the answer would be absolutely. I think you can work in a number of areas. First and foremost is physicians, right? We're trained in medicine broadly. That's what our, our medical degrees are. And then we, yes, go into specialize and subspecialize. But at the, at the core, we've all learned medicine broadly, right? And sometimes I actually think physicians from other areas, you can think about problems in an area that you don't necessarily see every day in a different, again, this comes back to that whole conversation earlier. You can look at the problem in a different way, right? So I see people come to urgent care with a corneal abrasion and I intersect with that patient in a different way than they would if they went to an ophthalmologist, right? And um, 
And so therefore I'm looking at the problem from a slightly different angle, which is how does the either primary care or urgent care physician, how are they dealing with, let's say, um, a corneal abrasion or conjunctivitis versus how that would be handled. And in many ways, the treatments are similar, but it's the way that the patient shows up, when they show up, how they interface are different, right? And so there's unique opportunities, I think, to provide a slightly different angle on how you could potentially solve a problem. So I think I would encourage physicians who are listening to yeah, think outside your specialty and don't be afraid to kind of be a part of entrepreneurship that might not feel like it's specifically in your wheelhouse. Um, because again, I think at the end of the day, what you're bringing to the table is just that problem solving and um, relation to the patient that I think all of us can do as physicians in any area. Right. And, you know, and just in regards to that, in regards to entrepreneurship, um, what have, what, what do you feel are some of the, some of the challenges you went through sort of, um, you know, moving from that medical space to sort of that entrepreneurship slash medical space? What are, what are some of the, talk to us a bit about some of the big, um, hurdles that you had to overcome, if any? Yeah, I think, um, I think learning a lot about, um, the business side of building a company. So, you know, specifically, um, how are products paid for? Who's paying for them? How are you going to price a product? Um, what specific market subsegment do you want to go after and why? Um, how, how do you scale, commercially scale a product to actually produce enough um, to bring that to patients? Uh, where is your supply chain coming from? What countries are, you know, are you getting your material from? And, and do you have diversity in your supply chain? All these sorts of, um, there's a whole host of business-related questions that come up as you build a company. Um, and I think that was an area that was really fun to dig into and to learn a lot more about. But I, d I didn't bring a business background to the company at the start or the outset. I feel like I now have got my MBA through experience, but it's ultimately, I think, a lot of um, asking questions and, again, reaching out to people who are experts in that space to really help you. So, for example, on the way I learned a lot about finance and accounting by working with a consultant accountant. Um, I built financial models, again, um, learning from people who do that for a living, um, learning how to manage cash flow and uh, understanding how to um, raise money, right? Like, how do you pitch to, to raise money? And then how do you, um, what's the whole diligence process and final negotiation process look like? And again, you can learn that through advisors and mentors and other people on your team who have expertise in that space. And so I would say as a physician, as you bridge into the sort of entrepreneurship world, that that's a skill set that we don't necessarily have background in, but it's it's very doable. And I think what I would encourage people to do is just surround yourself with people who have expertise. Yeah. So that's one really good piece of advice. Would you have any other advice for some of our listeners who are, you know, budding entrepreneurs currently functioning as doctors right now? Yeah, I think I often uh, mentor a number of people who are interested in getting into entrepreneurship. And I, I usually tell them um, you, there's many ways to get involved in company formation and product development. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to start your own company. And I say this, of course, I started our own company, but I think it doesn't always have to be, you know, your idea. There's great opportunities to join really small organizations and help build those. Um, so I, I usually encourage people to think um, not just if they have a, a problem in mind or a technical solution that they are excited about, go do the, the research or the work to see who else is working on that, what else is being done, right? And maybe it makes sense to start your own company and maybe it makes sense to join an existing company. So think broadly, there's a lot of ways to get into entrepreneurship that go beyond being a company founder. 
Um, and that's something that, you know, I've learned over time. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of incredible companies to be a part of um, that are eager for physicians. And so um, there's a lot of opportunity to get involved. Uh, and again, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to start your own company to do that. I think that those are really interesting points for physicians overall to get involved in entrepreneurship. And I think those that 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 definitely is a great first step in to help a company first before starting your own that 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 most physicians could take. But I think that we have to acknowledge your background as well. You've done so much. You've you've you were an engineer before and then you did med school and then you've also focused on, you know, kind of emergent, urgent care. Um, so in that aspect, you're, you're quite different in that you wear those different hats. Um, I guess I just want to bring it back a little to, to focus a little on that and how that impacted your journey when you're pitching, for example, or when you're reaching out to companies initially to see if you want help. Did, did, that, um, did that help you quite a bit when you were trying to look for opportunities or um, when, when you were pitching looking for money or did it hinder because people thought that you were distracted and not focused? Yeah. Um, it was helpful. I mean, I was a little worried, of course, as a still practicing physician that investors might see that as a detriment, but much to my surprise, the, it was, it was the venture capitalists who actually said, don't stop practicing. Um, they were the ones who encouraged me to continue to have my foot in that clinical door. And, um, I'm really grateful for that because it, it does, it gives me a very unique lens into the problems at hand that I was alluding to earlier. I mean, think about the fact that um, when you're on, when you're on the ground treating patients, you really understand how care is being delivered and it's constantly changing. I mean, in the decade that I've been a physician, um, things have really shifted in terms of how things are reimbursed, where patients are going for their care. Um, and a lot of that is going to continue to evolve. And so to stay relevant, um, being able to practice a half a day or a day a week, I think really enables um, myself as a company founder to really make sure we're building the company in the right strategic direction to achieve um, to achieve yeah, products that are going to be impactful for patients. So uh, I would say that, yes, it's extremely um, valuable uh, to have that foot in the door. And then, in fact, investors see that it was a positive, not a negative. Mm -hmm. And then just as just another question on top of that, um, a lot of physicians or quite a few of my classmates have gone straight from their undergrad four years, uh, for example, science uh, into uh, med school and then are now going to to residencies where they'll emerge as doctors. But um, I want to I want to hear your opinion on ups, upskilling. So do you, would you recommend that people do a master's of engineering, for example, or data science or an MBA? on top so that they can bring those diverse backgrounds as well. Um, because it seems like so much of your unique approach has been due to your intersectionality that you've brought. I think, I think it depends. It's a hard, it, you know, advice is hard to give blanket statements on yes, you should or you shouldn't. I, what I would argue is um, just getting the degree to get the degree isn't the right reason to do it. So I've, you know, told people that if you have interest in getting involved in entrepreneurship, you don't need an MBA. And if you look at the Fortune 500 companies, Half of the CEOs have MBAs, half don't. You know, it's not a necessity to be in business. Um, so I would look at it a slightly different way and I'd ask, what is this degree going to add in terms of um, either skills or network or kind of uh, exposure that I can't get from directly going to be a part of an organization or starting my own organization? Um, I think a lot of the learning happens in real time. And I think that that's the best learning. Um, there's nothing like 
putting together your own business plan and building a company um, from the ground up to teach you that you can go study that in, you know, in an, in an environment, a classroom setting. But at the end of the day, it's, you learn very quickly and you learn really well when you're confronting those decisions yourself. Uh, all that to say, though, there are reasons to go get these degrees, right? So if, again, if there's like a specific skill set or network or opportunity that you think you need that to perform, I don't discourage people from doing it. But I, I often, um, again, not, and I'm biased because I didn't go get an MBA, but I think um, the real world learning to me is where it's really at and where the road meets road. And I don't think that having a degree necessarily opens up doors um, that you wouldn't have opened already as a physician thinking about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, I guess two last questions. So number one, um, if like knowing your, your storied background now, would you go back to change anything? If you could, you, you hinted at something with an MBA there, that might be it, but is there something that you go back to change now to make your journey better than it is now? No, I wouldn't change anything. I was thinking about this actually um, coming into this conversation. I don't think I'd change anything. I mean, I think, of course, um, it's interesting. You can always look with hindsight and say, oh, it would have been helpful to have an MBA or would have been helpful to understand accounting ahead of time. But the reality is, um, I feel like I, when we started Cocoon, which is now a little over seven years ago, uh, we had a vision and a, we were excited and passionate about that vision. And it's manifested. It's been realized over time. And of course, the exact problems we've been focusing on have shifted um, in large part due to learnings on, um, you know, the market uh, dynamics on investor interest in company interest and in product interest. But um, that journey, right, um, it is what it is because of the experience I brought to the table at the time that I had it, right? And so I think in some ways, when you start a company, you don't have any clue where you're going to end up with that company. You, you think you have a plan, you have a business model, of your, but there are going to be changes and decisions along the way that you're going to morph and evolve as a business. And that's what makes it really fun. I, I think it can make it challenging, but it also makes it really fun. Um, and so I wouldn't change anything because I think that journey is what has enabled us to get to where we are today and to have the focus we have today on ocular and um, consumer dermatology products. And again, we wouldn't have gotten to this place had we not had all those learnings along the way. So I, yeah, I don't think I would change anything. I do think um, one thing I did early on that I would do again is to network and reach out to as many people as possible to really learn from experts in the space. I often tell people I was so surprised. Here I am, you know, physician, engineer, totally new to the business world and countless people. I mean, I can't even name them all, hundreds of people met with me for coffee to share their insights or their perspective or um, knowledge around certain skill sets that I didn't have and all with no other goal than to just be helpful. And I think that we live in a world where we're really fortunate. I think this is true in most places around the, the globe. People want to help other people, especially if they've done it before. So leverage that. Like, that's why I don't know that it's necessary to go get a degree because you can go meet with people who have experience who can teach you and are willing to teach you and are generous in that teaching. And then you pay it forward to the next generation and the next generation of entrepreneurs and physicians who go into business. So I, um, yeah, I think that's something I would definitely do again is spend a lot of those early years meeting and networking with individuals and asking, just picking their brains and asking and learning and, and always being willing to grow and to, to gain new knowledge. I think that's a, it's a pretty impactful statement there. But I want to leave space for you in our last moments to 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 talk about something that's that that 
I guess you care about that. That's a passion of yours. Anything you'd want, you have the floor. <laughs> um, I think at the end of the day, I, what I'm really most passionate about these days as I look forward is this intersection of health and, and climate change or health and sustainability. I think that we live in a world uh, where we know we're heading in a direction where we're, we're producing a lot of products and there's, uh, there's a lot of waste, a lot of um, production of, of carbon, CO2, et cetera. Um, I think this is a really area that's ripe for innovation. So how do we think about building the next generation of technologies that not only impact human health, but are impacting environmental health and vice versa? Because at the end of the day, I think, again, coming back to that initial conversation, we're, everything's inter interrelated, right? Uh, all these areas, they're not disparate silos. So you might be an expert in medicine, but that's related to the environment, right? Which is related to technology, which is related back to health again. And so I, I think what I'm most passionate about, and I think what where we're heading with Cocoon, is to build products that are not only great for improving the health of people, but also the health of the environment. And, and then full circle comes back to making us all um, able to live in a, you know, a safer and more environmentally friendly um, uh, world. So we're, that's where we're heading. That's what I'm most excited about. And a lot of that comes from just my own personal interest as well in being outdoors and spending a lot of time in the mountains. So I think this is, to me, that the future that we, we hold the power to unlock and it will take a mixture of technology, engineers, medicine, and um, environmental experts to really make this all happen. Thank you for listening to this episode of How It's Met. If you liked what you heard, please download and rate our episodes on whatever platform you listen on. Also, if you have any feedback on what you just heard, we'd love to hear it wherever you listen to or on our website, howitsmet.com. That way we can create better content that suits you. Until next time, bye-bye.